Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Well, if you are anywhere near the Northeast, you're uh, living through this uh, heat wave. And I hate the heat wave. I hate humidity. I can't stand it. I'm telling you that I am one miserable guy. I can't run in this weather. Well, I run, I struggle, and I sweat, and I hate it. I can't. So what am I doing right now? Oh. I'm complaining. And this is the topic of today's talk. Complaining. Is it always bad to complain? Is there such a thing as good complaining? What does complaining do to us? Well, let's, let's take a relatively deep dive into all of this. But first, I have a bone to pick. And since I'm complaining, I want to lodge one more complaint. First off, I need to say that my wife's name is Karen. And I take umbrage to the slanderous use of the name Karen. And you've probably heard this. Uh, I had no idea what it meant. You know, what is a Karen? You know, it's kind of used as a noun. Well, if you don't know, Karen is the nickname for a middle-aged woman who complains endlessly and exhibits what we might call entitled behavior. Something like, I refuse to speak with you. Call the manager. That's a Karen. I don't like my wife's name being used to indicate a complainer. My wife is not a complainer, quite the contrary. She is a Karen, and I don't think that we need to use people's names to kind of connote such terrible things. So if you come up with an adequate name to signify a complainer, be glad to glad to hear about it. And of course, like all things, you can reach me at selfcoachinghelp at aol.com. And I welcome not only your feedback, but suggestions, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So we're talking about complaining today. And you know, it's no no big surprise that research finds that happy people complain less. Now I guess it's a misnomer to say that happy people never complain. And, you know, listening to these podcasts, I always look at psychological behavior on a continuum, whether it's anxiety, depression, and in this case, complainers. On one level, we have people who complain very little. And as we go along the continuum, we have chronic complainers. So, during this podcast, see, see where you think you fall along that continuum. But if you are relatively happy, according to research, then you probably 
you probably complain less than those who are unhappy, insecure, or otherwise plagued by life. So why is it such a terrible thing to complain? Well, it's not a terrible thing, but the problem is for you, if you yield to complaining, notice I say yield, because we allow complaining to take place. What it does is it actually cements the incident in your mind, whatever you're complaining about. So instead of helping you to move on, what complaining does is it causes that negative feeling to just bleed over into other aspects of your life, perhaps long after the incident occurred. So we might say that complaining is like experiencing the same thing twice. Someone says something nasty about you. And then you come home and now you're telling your best friend, I can't believe, do you realize she said blah, 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 blah. And then the next day you, you tell someone else, and you know what so-and-so said to me the other day? So you are revisiting the same problem that offended you, and you are re-experiencing it over and over and over. So why is that a bad thing? Well, it's a bad thing because what complaining does is it actually rewires your brain for negativity, you know, for pessimism and unhappiness. When you repeatedly feel bad or sad or powerless, and that creates a circuit of chemicals in your brain, making it easier for unhappy thoughts to recycle. So you see the negativity, the complaining that, that generates these chemicals, this response. In fact, uh, Stanford University research has found that complaining actually shrinks the hippocampus, which is an area of the brain that's critical for problem solving and intelligent thought. So complaining actually changes us. And if you are chronically complaining, then you are developing what I always call habits. This is what self-coaching is founded on, and that's the understanding of the habits that ruin and rule our lives. Habits, well, we are creatures of habit. We form habits very easily. Habits make us efficient. And this is why we readily do absorb the stimulus response kind of reinforcing uh, experiences that will solidify a certain habit. And complaining can become a habit. And we're going to get into that in a minute. But keep in mind that chronic complaining or a chronic complainer, they kind of want you to know how tough their life is, right? Think about someone I do better, I do never get a chance to do. Well, a chronic complainer is just really wanting you to know. They're, they're looking for the, you know, the woe is me pat on the back. It's okay. You'll be okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's the sympathy that they're looking for oftentimes. I mean, many complainers are like children. You know, they, they want someone to, to do something for them. They, they're looking for someone else to step in there and intervene. It's a way of controlling things. You're feeling out of control, maybe. And complaining is doing something. So it's making, it's, it's taking an emotion that you're unsettled with 
and you're trying to do something with it, you know, but really what you really wind up doing is you're sabotaging your own chemistry. And according to Stanford University, you're actually compromising uh, neurons in your hippocampus. You're solidifying a habit. What should we call that habit? Well, for chronic warriors, let's call it, you become a whiner. <laughs> terrible word, but you do, you whine. Woe is me. Oh, it's so terrible. Life is so hard. But what you're doing is you're reinforcing negativity. You're reinforcing pessimism. And your complaints are the vehicle for that reinforcement. Now, I mentioned earlier that we allow ourselves, or a better word for allowing ourselves to complain, we indulge ourselves. And it's really important to understand that, you know, there's, there's no free lunch when you complain. I mean, this adds stress and duress to our lives. It, it, it enhances depression and or anxiety. The more you complain, the more you live those experiences twice over and three times and four times, and you start re regurgitating all of those harmful, painful moments, you're changing brain, brain chemistry. You are stressing, depressing, and creating needless stress and anxiety over your life, all because you are indulging, allowing that complaining mind to take you for a ride. That's the habit. That's the habit of complaining. And if you're a chronic complainer, think about it a second. You, you're never satisfied. You know, you have a, a tendency to constantly ruminate on problems. You just don't let things go. Now, I'm talking about the end of that continuum, chronic complainers, the, the severe whiners that have now become habituated with whining and complaining. Well, you know, the thing is that you just, you just realize that your life itself now becomes a hostage to the negativity to the pessimism that gets reinforced and regenerated and regurgitated by complaining. So you're putting yourself in a, in a kind of a vicious cycle, a cycle where life itself can be tough and difficult and harmful at times. And then you continue to be in that moment of when you felt attacked, aggrieved, whatever. And the cycle then generates the same emotional response. So the, some, the, the one person that maybe slandered you or said something terrible about you, those incidents where you've allowed yourself to uh, ruminate about someone that said something terrible about you, you are reliving the same chemical reaction, the same psychological reaction from when that event occurred. So you are instigating a cycle of chronic depletion, of chronic stress, because a stressful event is stressful because things do come along that trip us up. But every time you complain about it, you are really re-experiencing that harmful event. So you pay that price again and again and again, and your life becomes a testimony to being held hostage by pessimism and negativity and, and the chronic complaining, the revisiting. Maybe another way to look at complaining is it's, it's neurotically 
revisiting past harmful experiences. Hmm, I kind of like that. Can complaining ever be a good thing? Hmm, yeah, I mean, some, some researchers call it instrumental complaining. You know, instrumental complaining is where sometimes it could be an attempt to solve problems. Let's say your, your partner is uh, overspending on his or her credit card. And, and you want to intervene and complain, hey, wait a second, you know, you really shouldn't be overspending and blah, blah, blah. That could be instrumental in problem solving. However, be careful. <laughs> this, this is a double-edged sword. When you wag that finger, even though you may call it instrumental complaining, um, there could be a backlash. So be very careful when you complain, especially to your partner or coworker, about their behavior. I'm not recommending it, but at times it could be helpful and it could be an attempt at problem solving. But, you know, instrumental complaining tends to be less than 25% of all complaints. So it's, it's really... We, our focus doesn't need to be on the, the positive aspects of complaining. So what if you want to, you know, kind of start, if you're on that right, let me go left, right, the left, left end of the continuum is the minimum, the right end of the continuum is the maximum, the chronic complainer. So what if you want to move back towards the middle or less and complain less? So, you know, one thing you need to do is avoid dampening your mood by complaining by allowing yourself to complain. And if you're going to complain, make it an attempt to, to happen you know, very infrequently. It's not like you're going to never complain again. I mean, I, I do complain about the weather. And you know what? It's not always vocal. I complain about the weather incessantly. I went out for a, a jog this morning. And the, as soon as I opened the door and stepped outside, the humidity was oppressive. It's, it's almost like it just envelops you and presses at you. And in my mind, I was complaining about that. So yes, even the mental complaining has that effect. And following my self-coaching, which we'll get into in a little bit, I decided, uh, okay, it's time to stop complaining. And I went for my jog and didn't go as far as I'd like to or as fast as I wanted to. And I could have complained. <laughs> I, and I'm complaining now about it, but, but I could have complained about that. And it would have made my jog uh, even worse. I would have had the humidity and the pessimistic uh, reaction and effect within my own brain from allowing myself to ruminate and indulge those negative pessimistic thoughts. So try to complain more infrequently, if not rarely. And if you are going to complain, you know, it's okay if you believe that it's going to have a real effect and maybe a positive change either on you or someone else. So yeah, it, there are those nuances. Uh, this isn't so much a black and white, but it's kind of close. Uh, there are kind of gray areas where a well-placed complaint is really an attempt at problem solving to get at changing either your behavior or someone else's behavior. But, you know, it, like I said, it could be a desire for control. Complaining to your partner over and over, you know, 
this clearly could be your attempt to control your partner, control their behavior. And, and this becomes very chronic in relationships. I told you to pick that up after yourself. Why do you always leave crumbs? Why don't you, uh, what else? <laughs> Why don't you take that glass? And, I don't know. But anyway, when you, when you are in a relationship and you become more toward chronic complaining, you usually get a response of complaining. Well, why, don't tell me what to do. Why do you always pick it? Seagull so goes back and forth. So it becomes cyclic in relationships as well. So in a relationship, it's very important to monitor, you know, whether you come home and walk in that room and start complaining right off the bat, or, you know, are you starting to generate friction within the relationship because of the complaining? So, you know, there are reasons, different shades of gray, why we complain. Sometimes, you know, the venting part, you know, it's a desire, to, as we mentioned, to control. It gives us that illusion that we're doing something. At least we're able to protest, right? Uh, you don't like the results of an election or something and you complain about it. Well, it, it's kind of like you're doing something, you know, you're protesting. You're, you're, you're venting that emotion. You're releasing that emotion. And if that's the case, if you're releasing stress, then venting could be a good thing. Um, but woe is the person that has to listen to your venting. But it's like me with the job. I was, I was venting. I mean, it didn't change the, the weather. And it didn't change my, my jog. But it did release stress, I have to say. And I put a lid on it at a certain point. And, I, and, and I think that's an important point for you to keep in mind. You know, if you're going to go down that route, if you're going to get into a bit of venting, go so far and then put a lid on it. Enough is enough. So even though venting can help us process emotions like stress and frustration, there's often an agenda. I, I've, I've often seen there's an agenda by, by showing anger, frustration, or disappointment. Oftentimes you're soliciting attention from those that are listening. You know, maybe, maybe you're looking for validation. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right about that weather, or you're absolutely right about that election. Maybe you're looking for validation. So you complain to someone and you want them to agree with you. You want them to say, you know, your complaint is really accurate and well-founded. And, and I agree totally. So, you know, sometimes we simply want validation. So all of that said, can venting be a path to healing? Can moderate to mild complaining really truly help us? Is psychologically help us? And in short, the answer is yes, it's good to complain. And yes, it's bad to complain. So, so again, there is that fine line between woe is me, and looking for validation, because if you're looking for validation, then it's insecurity driving that. And the more insecure you are, the more prone you are to becoming a chronic complainer. And no one likes to be around a chronic complainer. So you've got to become conscious of your complaining. And becoming conscious, you know, allows you to, to really kind of not be passive, 
uh, in the back seat while complaining is steering our lives. It allows you to evaluate. You know, why, why am I doing this? What is it doing for me? So if you were to ask me, is complaining a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, again, I could, I could see a whole range of reasoning as to whether it is or isn't, from mild to, to chronic. But all in all, I feel it's not a good thing. You know, to me, it's, well, first of all, it becomes habituated, it becomes a pattern. And I think it's a childlike way of saying the world should be the way I say it is. I will often mention to someone, a patient that might be saying, you know, I can't believe that he said what he said to me. He's so rude. And we allow ourselves to feel that people should be different. You know, with my patients, for example, I might have someone tell me that he is so insulting. I mean, I can't believe that this person walks this earth because he's just a terrible, horrible human being. Okay. So you're complaining about this person. What I try to tell somebody is, wait a second. This person may have issues, obviously, and everyone is entitled to their neurosis. Sometimes our complaining says that, well, he or she shouldn't be like that. It's not fair. It's not right. I mean, there's probably not much of an argument there. It's not fair. It's not right. But who are we to say that someone else should be a different human being? So again, keep in mind, everybody is entitled to their own neurosis. It's our job whether or not that obnoxious person gets under our skin. You see, that's what we control. We control who affects us and how they affect us. And if you are not insisting that someone has to be good and fair and upbeat and this or that, then you liberate yourself because now people are like the weather. You know, it's, it's oppressive, it's bad. And okay, it, it is what it is. The weather isn't neurotic, I understand, but, but people can be. But I always, I always apply that. I always apply that when, when someone does something untoward or something obnoxious, and it happens to all of us. You know, I just, I just take a step back and I say, you know, who am I to say that person should be a better person? But it is an inclination, right? It's a tendency. Don't you always find yourself saying that that person, they should be more careful. They should be more tolerant. They should be more aware of what they say. Well, you know, that's, that's a world that doesn't exist. That's a world that's saying everyone ought to be, according to our script, how I want them to be. So in order to live more, I guess, effortless, effortlessly in this world, you have to allow people to be not according, not living according to our script, but according to who they are. And there are people who are wounded people. There are people who are neurotic. And there are people who do horrible things and say terrible things. Our job is to not let that affect us. But if you start complaining about it, keep in mind, you're generating tension, you're generating stress, you're reliving that event. And I often go back to a, uh, an incident that happened to me quite a few years ago. I was uh, pulling into a parking lot, and this elderly gentleman was backing out. And 
I tapped my horn so they wouldn't back into me and pulled into this spot next to that person. And this guy got out of the car, screaming at me, yelling at red-faced. He had to be a man in his 80s. I was afraid he was going to have a heart attack, I swear. And I was just so taken aback. First of all, I thought he wasn't even yelling at me. And he was, he was yelling, you're an animal, you're an animal. <laughs> I had no idea what he was talking about. And I just calmly walked away. And I was thinking about it. I could have complained. I could have internalized that. I could have ruminated about that. I could have gone home and said, you know what that guy said to me? I can't believe it. It's not right. It's not fair. But instead, I realized, you know, there's probably a whole history behind this guy where he feels defensive. I took it. I mean, obviously, I was taken aback. But nevertheless, I've looked back on that. And I realized that for him to have reacted the way he did, it was irrational. It was disproportionate. It was neurotic. So there are people like that who misperceive, misjudge, and their own insecurities get in the way, and they are people who can do things that we scratch our head and say, what happened? So be careful with complaining, especially about people who aggrieve us, because people uh, are not who, who we want them to be. They are who they are. It'll, it'll save you a lot of grief in life. One thing, I, I don't want to forget to say this. You know I'm very much into neuroplasticity and changing the structure, the anatomy of our brains. And we do this with our thoughts and our learning and our experiences. So if we make staying positive, if we make that a skill, and we decide that we're going to rewire our brain from pessimistic complaining and negativity, and if you make positivity a skill, and you practice it, then you're actually going to start rewiring your brain and changing those habits of chronic complaining. Let me tell you about a self-coaching experiment I did quite a few years ago. I would come home from a long day of work. I mean, sometimes I would see upwards of 10, 12, 15 patients. These were the early days trying to start a practice. You, you do what you have to do. And I found myself coming in and moaning to my wife, woe is me kind of stuff. And, you know, it's too long and I don't know, uh, this is hard and blah, 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 blah. And I kept doing that. So one day I was sitting at work and I realized that, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I, why am I complaining? And, and I kind of put myself in my wife's shoes. And I wouldn't want to be her hearing this night after night after night. And what was it doing for me? Well, it wasn't really doing much. It was just reinforcing the fact that I was angry, that I was dissatisfied with the amount of effort I had to put into my life and practice. But what was it doing for me? Well, it was bumming me out. So I decided, and here's where the self-coaching came in, even back then when I was formulating this whole concept of self-coaching, I said, I've got to coach myself to stop complaining. Huh? So I made a decision. I literally made a decision. I am not going to complain. Just like when you make a decision to diet, I'm not going to eat sugar. And I decided no matter what, no matter how much I had a complaint or wanted to complain, I would not let that complaint leave my mouth. So I came home 
I didn't complain. I might have felt like complaining, but I didn't complain. Next night came, same thing, no complaining. Next night, next night. Little by little, I got to the point where I would come in and not have to try not to complain. You see, the complaining had become a habit. I had become a victim of that habit. And as long as I was a victim of that habit, I was allowing myself to increase the stress and duress of my life at that point. I was allowing myself to become more frustrated, more stressed. And by not complaining, and here's the rub, by not complaining, I started to feel better. I really did. I started to feel less antagonized by the long hours. So keep in mind that complaining brings you into the darker places in your life. And in a sense, it'll put a stranglehold on you if you allow it. But once you make a concerted effort to stop being a victim, to stop allowing yourself to complain, what does it do for you? It opens up the door to optimism. Complaining is synonymous with that pessimistic negativity. But when you stop complaining and accept life as it is, and people as they are, you're yielding to life rather than resisting life. Bad things happen. Complaining is not necessarily part of that bad thing. It's a revisiting of that bad thing at your own expense. It's a poison that you take. I'll tell you outright, this heat wave, by the way, has been around for at least a week. We're well into the 90s with real feel over 100 degrees. And I do go out every morning. I've been trying to go earlier and earlier. But tomorrow morning, and I'm telling you right now, and you can take it to the bank, I'm going to walk out that door, and I'm going to refuse to complain. And I'm going to see what effect that has on my run. And I can tell you right now the effect I think it's going to have. I think that I'm going to run as fast as I can, listening to my body, slowing down, taking it easy. But I'll be thinking about other things. Maybe next week's podcast. Maybe I'll be thinking about the astronomy that I'd like to do that night or whatever. But I won't be bemoaning. I won't be, woe is me. And I won't be creating stress. So anyway, keep, keep it in mind. If you're a complainer, whether mild or chronic, you decide how much complaining are you going to allow in your life. And trust me, the more you eliminate complaining, the more you become conscious of eliminating complaining, you will see the optimism, the yielding to life will bring to you a richer and more beneficial reaction to those things that are part of our everyday struggles, because all life isn't a struggle, but it becomes a chronic struggle if we keep revisiting and revisiting. So you get the point. Live your life separate from all of that. And one way to separate yourself is to break the habit that's created by becoming a complainer. And that would be it for today. Don't forget to visit my website, uh, selfcoaching.net. And by the way, once again, let me remind you that Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, my last book, 
it's still to be distributed. We had that glitch with the distributor and have now made changes and it's supposed to be out this month. So if you can't get it, there's still a Kindle version available, but the, the book version should be back on the shelves at Amazon and everywhere else very soon. Sorry for the delay. And until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, well, it's not an option. By definition, victims are powerless and you are not powerless. And remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join me every week. And what do you say we make it simple together? Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on.